hello. <laughs> such behaviour. If you want to go out, go out now, but if you stand again, I will order you out. Make your mind up. And then shut up and get out. <laughs> Pork markets. Pork markets. We have never had it so good. Pork markets. <laughs> Before we start the show, I want to issue a red heat warning. A red heat warning for extremely hot, fiery, sizzling audio. steamy outside for all of us it's a little bit worrying as well isn't it you know we've got the hottest day possibly on record on monday or tuesday in the uk it's going to hit 40 degrees 40 degrees but what does that mean in uh, old money because it's so strange since i've been in the u.s no i learned the metric system as a child i honestly learned the metric system uh, I learned Celsius and Fahrenheit, but back in the 80s, they used to do Fahrenheit. Now in the UK, they do Celsius. So what is 40? That's over 100, isn't it? Absolutely sizzling, sizzling like a piece of frazzled bacon. Now, are you the back bacon or are you the sort of uh, streaky bacon? What do you want to be in this heat wave? Do you want to be back bacon or do you want to be streaky bacon? There's a lot of talk about pork markets. Pork markets and uh, how we're selling tea to the Chinese in the UK Yorkshire tea of course with the strongest brew but do the tea bags uh, split that's the question I ask you so you need to stay cool and the best way of doing that the best way of doing that I think is a, a couple of ice cold tea bags down the pantaloons uh, really just cool anything I actually put my boxer shorts the upper end, freeze and put them on. I think if you cool the nether regions, what's the hottest part of your body? Is it your head? Top or bottom? Uh, nose? No, because the nose sticks out for me. But I, I think if you cool the nether regions, that's one way of getting cool. So you could do the old-fashioned sort of uh, diaper. Make an adult diaper out of a piece of cloth or an extra-large handkerchief and wrap it like a wet a wet handkerchief down the nether regions, that would cool you down. All the tea bags pop down the front there, and uh, it's amazing how much cooler you do feel. Now, I'm lucky enough to have uh, air conditioning. I know a lot of people are trying all sorts of things, ice in front of fans. They're trying absolutely everything, but we're just sizzling, 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 sizzling. And it feels so good to be here uh, for Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. I am uh, in my little bunker all the blinds shut, nobody can peer in, because I'm doing the podcast just in these uh, rather tight sort of lycra boxer shorts, and we talk about this a little bit later, I don't know if I like the lycra boxer shorts yet. So, 
I've been watching a little bit of the British Open the last few days. Americans are sort of uh, fascinated by our love of uh, fish and chips and, uh, and, and mushy peas. One of, the, one of the broadcasters looked at these mushy peas and it was like the reaction of most people who had seen uh, the, uh, the sort of new world, the new universe through the telescope. We'd seen other images before, but everything was clearer. But through the fog of all sorts of culinary delights, he saw the wonder that was mushy peas. The Americans seen mushy peas, they could have seemed like an alien. It could have been like that, uh, that uh, movie Signs with uh, Mel Gibson, where the alien suddenly appears, but the mushy peas appears. And they're thinking, what on earth is this? Is, is this something that aliens would eat? I half expected to see. Maybe if aliens are watching us, they're thinking, what is this green delight? It's, are they eating us? Are they cannibals, for God's sake? And that's what Mushy Peas looks like. But the, the American broadcaster was shocked when he saw English peas mushed up to, into a pulp. And this is something that we eat. And you serve it with haggis, which is like sheep's intestines. Okay, what? We've come so far over the years, over the last thousand years. We've had all these wonders in modern technology, including this wonderful new telescope that looks bright and illuminating things. And these heathens across the pond are still eating mushy peas. Good morning. My name is Konstantin, customer service for the store. I call it Gregor to repair your bed. Could you call me back, please? We make an appointment. What day is good for you? I come in and fix your problem. He was meant to come this week. Konstantin, the bed man, the Greek bed man. Seriously, I'm gonna. If he comes over here right now, I'm gonna throw a bunch of plates at him. I'm gonna smash him over the head with a bunch of plates, make him feel really, really at home. I'm very upset about this. The the, the bed man hasn't come. I'm still on the floor now. Here, hot air does rise, uh, so I'm right on the floor. So maybe that's a good thing. It's keeping me cooler. Maybe my bed should be on the floor, sort of 1990s futon style. I mean, I used to sleep on an inflatable mattress for four years. What, what, what does a bed being on the floor affect me? Promises, promises. Come on now. Come on, get a Spinacopica and, uh, you know, get over here, Constantine, and fix my bed. Because the heat isn't helping my temper here. It's really getting me a little bit fired up here. I just feel he's going to suddenly appear and expect me to help him erect this monstrosity of a bed. It's a huge bed. And I think he, he told me, he sent me a text, it's been, it's been stabilized, it's been reinforced, this bed. But I have yet to see the bed man, the Greek bed man. And it's a case of beware of Greeks bearing gifts, I think, you know. It really is. Let's just get into the meat of the show here, if we don't mind the meat and drink of the show. Hope you're having a lovely week. It is 206th episode of uh, of keep calm and cauliflower cheese and today we're going to be uh, giving you a little bit of illuminating we're illuminating you in the wonders of tuna mayonnaise sandwiches uh also the genetic disposition of itching one's face i, I think we have a genetic disposition in my family where we're itching each not each other's face but our own faces uh i saw the pajama man the infamous pajama man in a panama i wonder if he fixed pets should ask him. Might get the wrong idea, though, I suppose, if I do that. 
Um, do I have a lazy dog or is it indeed uh, heat exhaustion? Can you put a dog on an ice coat? Well, I've got basically an ice ice pair of panties that I'm wearing, uh, keeping the crown jewels cool. Keeping everything on ice. I'll put it on ice. I'll put you on ice. Uh, also, uh, are you a manspreader? I think we talked about this before, but I feel that I am a manspreader. Of course, Boris, the uh, current Prime Minister, soon to be former Prime Minister, he's a manspreader as well. Uh, I do not like lycra underwear. I'm talking about lycra boxer shorts here. They're sort of stretchy, but uh, I have some sort of I have some sort of issues with them. I have a little bit of issues with them. Um, should I change my pants after the gym? And it's a whole sort of wondrous, uh, monotonous subject running through the course of the show, chafing, bunching up. It, it seems to be a problem this week. I don't know if in the heat, but doesn't it? Doesn't it heat? Does heat make everything expand or shrink? I can never wonder. <laughs> Shrinkage, or does it make it expand when it gets hot? Yeah, it expands when it gets hot and shrinks when it gets cold. Um, the chicken pecking typing technique never really taught what well, did i miss the classes when i was taught to type but i have a chicken pecking typing technique uh and uh, there's a spider on my ceiling as well and uh, the marvelous uh, new way of cooking bacon but today we're trying to keep you cool chilled cool as a cucumber i think we're going to try to keep things a little bit more low-key today let you relax, let you gently oscillate in your hammock. Oh, for some hammock oscillation today. Some of my favorite headlines of the week. Uh, Liz Cheney wins the GOP's manhood contest and uh, fashion reacts to the resignation of UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Now, I, I know that uh, Boris isn't known for his sartorial elegance. But there's a sort of rakish, roguish, roughish charm about the uh, messed up hair, the shirt being tucked out. And I noticed in Prime Minister's questions the other day, maybe he had cold hands, but he had his hands stuck down the back of his trousers. That's quite a comfortable position. I've been known to do it myself. and It's a very, very comfortable posturing position. If you're sort of bent over in a debate, just slip your hands down the back of your trousers and it's very, very comforting. If you have any anxiety or nerves, it'll be dissipated by sticking your hands down the back of your trousers. It, it, it does feel very warm and it's very comforting as well, especially if you have cold hands. Because the, the, the cheeks of the posterior are always very, very warm. So that's something that uh, you, you should consider. Anyway, the wonders of tuna mayonnaise. Now, I, I've always been a chicken salad, chicken salad sandwich fan. For many, many years. Well, I went off it because I got food poisoning. I had to go to hospital back in the late two, uh, 2008, 2009. Something along those lines. Um, so I went off chicken uh, salad sandwiches. And then got back into it. That sort of creaminess of the mayo, the chicken, love some sweet corn. But uh, I, I tried myself uh, mistakenly when I was in San Diego a few weeks ago. I thought I'd getting a chicken salad. Got a tuna mayo. Now, a tuna mayo is rather wonderful. I know that my... Uh, I know my nephew Harry loves the tuna mayo, uh, which is weird because he won't eat anything else. He loves tuna mayo. I really, really like tuna mayo. You get a little bit of mayo mixed in, some sweet corn in there, a little bit of pepper. I put some capers in there as well. 
you've got a damn tasty sandwich. A very, very good sandwich on some brown bread. And it, it lasted me three days this week. When I was sort of busy rumbling around doing my butler duties, I had a delicious tuna mayo. Get back from the gym, you know, lunchtime. I'm a lunchtime gym guy now, completely sweaty. And uh, the goodness of the tuna mayo sandwich is revealed. I, I thought I was a banana peanut butter fan at lunchtime, but this is my new favorite. I'm just scared of it sort of affecting my digestion. I've eaten a lot of corn recently. And as everybody uh, hopefully knows and has studied and researched over the years of being on your own within the guardrobe, you, um, it doesn't digest, does it, corn? I'm wondering if that's a little bit reason why. Maybe a little bit too much mayo. Keep that mayo chilled. There's two things that, they, I mean, hot tuna mayo or hot chicken uh, salad sandwiches with all that mayo getting hot. It can make you incredibly sick. And I think that's why I got food poisoning. It's like drinking warm cider, which I've done before many, many years ago. And you have warm cider playing cricket. Let's hope it's not a two innings affair. Let me put it that way. Fascinating way to cook bacon in the week. As you know, that uh, bacon is made up of the muscle and fat. The uh, muscle cooks really quickly. The fat takes a lot, of, uh, a lot more time to render out. So the best thing to do is to boil it in a sort of fairly shallow pan beforehand. Um, and as the water sort of boils and evaporates, then you're cooking the bacon and then it crisps up so nicely within about maybe 10 minutes. And that's the best way of doing it. So you don't have burnt bacon. You have perfectly cooked bacon that's cooked to an inch of its life, but it's not like charcoal. I mean, I know people say charcoal is very, very good for you. Uh, I, the carcinogens in, in bacon, I'm sure, are awful for you. But it's a better way of cooking bacon, so you're not going to be burning them to a cinder, Cinderella. So we're full of carcinogens on the show today. New York's hot dog ice cream gets a very, very chilly uh, reception. By most reckonings, Brian Smith is one of the greatest ice cream makers in New York. With his artistry with butter cake and pecan, brittle has acclaimed from Broadway to Williamsburg. But there's still a lot of people who feel that with his latest invention, he has gone too far. As summer arrived in a blaze on July the 4th festivities, Smith declared that he had created a hot dog ice cream. When I announced it online, 97% of comments were a version of a vomiting emoji. He says, standing at the counter of his ice cream parlor in Brooklyn. It was, ew, gross, disgusting, ew. The uh, world doesn't need that. He shrugs. That's the internet for you. But when people came in and tried it, they really, really enjoyed it. I cannot immediately see any of these people. Are you here for the hot dog ice cream? I asked a lady in the queue, a huge fan of Smith's work, and she shakes her head, firmly grimacing, as she's never even considered consuming a bun-flavored ice cream studded with pieces of meat. It's called Let's the Dogs Out, and it lies in a tub nearest the till, besides flavors such as banana pudding, which oh, is amazing, I love a banana pudding, and morning in Paris. Well, would you start your morning in Paris with? A nice, crusty, firm baguette, madam. A blend involves croissants and raspberry jam. The uh, label on the glass promises it's made of all beef hot dogs for Nathan's on Coney Island. It's my favorite hot dog, says Smith, who at 52, Nathan stages the Coney Island hot dog eating competition every July 4th. And we found out last week that if you eat nine hot dogs, you may die. 
dominated in recent years by Jerry Chestnut, and he has the nuts. He has the dog's nuts to eat that many hot dogs, who swallowed 76 in 10 minutes. Is he dead? I, I, I thought I read last week, it was nine. Most people, if they ate nine hot dogs, they would... Uh, pass from this mortal coil. The competition is run for half a century, steadily becoming an inaugural tradition for the season, but for one, Swallow does not make a summer. Reminds me one of my girlfriends. For as a Swallow does not make a summer, then 76 in 10 minutes can be considered a very good start. It's quintessentially Brooklyn. I've never heard that before, quintessentially Brooklyn. I did not give any thought to any other hot dog. Smith and his wife, Jackie Cascana opened the first ice cream palm at Ample Hills Creamery in 2011. With such was the popularity, they had to close for four days later, having sold 130 gallons of ice cream, their entire stock. In the years that followed, they opened up more than a dozen shops, attracted by full-throated endorsement of Whitney, uh, Oprah Winfrey, and signed a deal with Disney. But in 2020, after expanding aggressively, uh, I mean, I wonder if they're on Disney Plus if they get an extra scoop or not. Um, the hot dog flavor may not be all year round attraction for it proved rather time consuming to make for each batch. Smith bought about 400 frankfurters. It takes hours just to cut them into little pieces. You can only chop about four or five hot dogs at a time. He coated the medallions in brown sugar and baked them for an hour, reducing them to their chewy texture. Something he felt would be, not be appreciated in ice cream. Yeah. You're sucking a delicious creamy ice cream and then you get a, a chewy wiener. Ugh. It would not be appreciated. These are unfolded into a sweet ice cream made with toasted, buttered hot dog buns as popular as anything we have ever done. Smith suggested a very small serving in a tasting cup, uh, but the, the writer asked for a full scoop and a cone. The ice cream is very nice. You can really taste the bun. The medallions take four pieces of chocolate, but you occurred of this mistake as you bite into it. The texture is crumbly, rather like bacon, but unmistakably meaty. Cuscana told me that she did not have time to eat lunch. She would have a spoonful of this because it's fortifying protein. Smith watches the writer. It's very good. I would recommend it. He nods and thanks me. I'm not sure I would ever eat a full scoop again, though. His ice cream really is a taste of summer in New York. So, of course, you need a stomach to tackle it. have a genetic disposition in my family of a nervous itch. as I said itch uh, not twitch and not that sort of itch <laughs> but that'd be you know that'd be a little bit embarrassing is all go around itching our crotches no we haven't we haven't my mother and I uh, god bless her love my mama so much really really she's like the kindest warmest person but we both got this thing where we scratch our face now I rub my beard a little, and I think I touch my face a lot. I, I've heard from former bosses of mine that it's a nervous tick. Now when you're carrying around a whole load of plates and everything as a butler, and you've got it above your head on a tray, uh, perched on your hand, you have very, very strong fingers, I tell you, to hold a whole tray up. You don't want a nervous tick of like su suddenly having to itch your face. But apparently I could never play poker. If I was uh, playing Shemenda Fair, you know, a game of poker or something, and I, I, I do itch my face when I get a little bit anxious. And my mother does it as well, but she, like, really closes her eyes and scratches her face and her neck and everything else. 
I said, well, you itchy mother. And then realized that we both have this genetic disposition of having uh, itching our faces. It's not particularly itchy for any reason, but it's like a nervous sort of tick thing that we have. And it's a genetic disposition that we have, that both my mother and I have. And uh, suddenly noticed it, that, uh, that it's something that runs in the genes of our family. Constant shark news up until Shark Week that's right at the end of July on the Discovery Channel. Let us take our chances with the sharks. La Réunion surfers plea. A dispute over man-eating sharks is raging on La Réunion as campaigners call for its beaches to reopen after three years without a fatal attack. Gerald Darmanian, the interior minister, who took responsibility for French overseas territories last week, flew to the dispute and, and divided the Indian Ocean island since a spate of 20 shark attacks began in 2011. Nine people died and 11 survived. The state began culling programs that's bitterly opposed to environmentalists, but it decredited with the deterring bull and tiger sharks. The last victim, Kim Mabuli, a French tourist, died when his leg was bitten off. That year in, in hand, uh, Richard Martin, a 44-year-old British civil servant, was found in the stomach of a tiger shark after he disappeared while snorking in uh, Hermitage Lagoon. The Réunion uh, depends on tourism and its shark-inhabited west coast waters were surfing Mecca until they closed in 2013. Defensive nets protect a few beaches and sharks appear to have been curbed by baited hooks known as drumlines. But most beaches remain shut and surfing is banned in all but a small number of guarded spots. President Macron, who supports preventative fishing of sharks, vowed to reopen the waters this year, but the deadline will be missed. Activists and traders are angry that the environmental groups won a uh, court action against the state in March. Jean-Francois Natadal, a campaigner and professional surfer, calls Damanian of parading around if nothing is happening, while surfers and swimmers defy the band, a pest like rats. I mean, I guess you've got the situation. So you're force-feeding, let's say, geese or ducks for the foie gras, we're sort of force-feeding humans into sharks. I wonder if there's like a delicacy in a shark's belly, similar to a, like a foie gras pâté. And uh, you can have the de delicacy of uh, human digested in shark's bellies as some sort of French delicacy. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, bonjour, monsieur. Tonight we have a wonderful delicacy. Uh, we have the uh, foie gras, we have the snails, and we have the uh, human foie gras, where we force-fed uh, bull sharks and uh, got a beautiful pâté. So I said last week that I think I am the best-dressed uh, straight man in the whole of Christendom, or certainly maybe in the United States of America. But then I saw my good friend Pajama Man, now he's got rid of the pajamas and the pajama jacket and the baseball hat that's made out of flannel like a pajama as well. And he's now got a Panama. He's looking a little bit more swish, a little bit more like a dandy. And uh, he has the uh, Panama hat on with his pajamas as well, looking uh, very tray chic, I have to say. Uh, but the question that I have, uh, do you listen? So I don't know how many of you have corgis out there. But my corgi likes, uh, Maggie likes to stop in the middle of a walk and have a lay down, have a rest. I mean, I should really start bringing her a portable hammock. So if you have a lay down, uh, maybe a, a sip of a sort of, that, like a, a melted version of that hot dog ice cream into like a cocktail with a parasol. She would probably sip away at that and let, let me sort of wait on her hand and foot. 
but she likes to she likes to wait. So I'm wondering if I have a lazy dog, or is it heat exhaustion? Because I am a bit worried with our tongues hanging out, like that has the longest tongue in the world. It's hanging out, and she likes to stop for little breaks. And I've got you know Donald and Pose coming a foldable. A water carrier, like a little water bowl that you can fold up and put in your pocket, and you can pour out water for the dogs as you're walking along. A lovely little invention. I'll give you a little bit of review when it arrives in a few days' time. Uh, but I'm wondering if I do have a lazy dog, or is it indeed heat exhaustion? And can you get like a little ice, uh, you know, ice pack coat to put on the dog, or do, or will that, you know, make them? suffer even more that sort of made them from being incredibly hot to incredibly cool too quickly and be detrimental of their health i don't know i mean i i work very well now with the ice pyramid tea bags down the trousers as i mentioned and as i said in the heat i'm going to reinforce this for you who've joined me late or if you fast forward all the nonsense at the beginning of the show uh, to near the end after i've uh, you know reaching my finale my conclusion my little uh, rhyming uh, couplet, my soliloquy at the end of the podcast, uh, then uh, you may not have heard me say that that's how I think if you cool the never regions, that's the key for keeping cool in the sun. Forget the head, forget the top head, concentrate on the bottom head and keep that cooler. But yes, lazy corgi, or is it indeed something I should be concerned about? And, uh, you know, maybe she doesn't want to go out in the, in the heat of the day. They always say mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. An English convict ship dropped anchor in Sydney Cove in 1822 after more than four months at sea. Along with 200 wretched prisoners, the Isabella's cargo included seven hives of honeybees to cater for the sweet tooth of the early settlers. Although Australia's native stingless bees produce a type of honey called sugar bag, which Aborigines have been enjoying for thousands of years, it has a unique tangy taste and the bees make only a small amount of it. The introduction of the European honeybee proved to be a significant moment in that, in that April. The Royal Australian Mint released a commemorative Australian $2 coin marking 200 years since these first hives were brought ashore. But now the Australian beekeepers are facing up to the long-feared arrival of the insect's deadliest foe, the Varroa Destructor Mite. Until last month, the country was the only main honey-producing nation to have stayed free of the pest, which wiped out 90% of wild bee colonies in New Zealand in a few years. And Australia become the only country to stamp it out. State government authorities in New South Wales are scrambling to eliminate the blood-sucking red parasite known as the little vampire. After an outbreak at the port of Newcastle, tens of millions of bees have already been euthanized and hundreds of hives burnt. Strict lockdowns have been imposed on the industry. It's heartbreaking. Imagine little bees with little, little uh, masks on there. Uh, it's heartbreaking, Susanna Shuby has been forced to shut her small honey-making business, Urban Hum, in Newcastle up the coast from Sydney. She's been waiting state government officials to douse her hives with petrol to poison her bees before waiting 24 hours to burn the poor things. A comparison has been drawn between Australia's drastic and divisive efforts to eliminate COVID by shutting down borders and imposing snap lockdowns after a handful of cases while the rest of the world learned to live with the virus. 
Australian honey beekeepers have been benefited in a funny way from COVID. Many have become used to lockdowns, contact tracing, and not being able to do their jobs. While attempts to eliminate the varara might seem drastic, he said, they have received widespread support from beekeepers who have seen the damage inflicted on honeybees around the world by the creature the size of a sesame seed. Despite frequent bushfires, floods and droughts, Smith said the absence of varroa destructor made the country a paradise for bees. It was first detected in Asian honeybees in the early 20th century, started to spread across Europe in the late 1960s before becoming detected in the United States in 1987 and Britain in 1992. Farmers are desperately hoping the lockdown will lift before pollination season begins next month. Is that when bees become horny, I suppose? So beekeepers can transport their hives to crops in New South Wales and neighbouring states. The almond industry, which is completely reliant on European honeybees to pollinate almond trees, has warned up to 500 million almonds will not be pollinated. So all you almond eaters out there, and I've actually restricted and reduced my almond uh, consumption because I eat too many of them. I get into trouble with my girlfriend with I eat too many almonds. It's working with the government on a permit system to allow beekeepers who have not been infiltrated by varroa mite to move their hives. The varroa mites were discovered on June the 22nd at Sentinel Hives at the port of Newcastle. A network of these hives are stationed at ports around Australia to act as early warning surveillance system for the foreign pests and disease. They need to install those, uh, those, those televisual surveillance systems. I wonder if the Nest, the surveillance system, the Nest, has a whole beekeeping medium. Oh, honey for the money, mummy. So I think Boris has been accused of having that sort of manspread power stance. Now, I think I have it too. I see a lot of men do it, especially if you're sort of cramped in a church and you don't want to sort of crush the nuts, do you, really? It's not like Christmas time. You're not cracking the nuts. So you want a little bit of room. So you do that sort of manspread power stance type of thing going on. But also when it's hot, if everything's all bunched up, and we talk, this has been a thread through here. You know, you get chafing, everything's hot. You want to sort of lift and separate, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't want everything bunched up, so you sort of spread your spread your legs a little bit to get that manspread power stance. And I do like the uh, ceiling fans that are blowing down on everything. That really, really does help. But the chafing is—I mean, it's all like the uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. You're all bunched up. Uh huh, uh huh. Uh, we're all bunched up. I mean, that's how it feels to me. It's almost like it's that Elvis song. I don't want to be all bunched up or all shook up or whatever it is. And that's the problem I have with Lycra boxer shorts. Everything sort of bunches up. Everything tightens in the wrong places. Maybe for a bigger chap. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's all like you want to ease, you know, pull them down slightly. Or maybe have I got the, you know, fatter thighs in my dotage? Who knows? It seems to... But yeah, that, that's the whole thing. So the manspread power stance, the ceiling fan, it stops all sort of chafing. It stops you going, oh, 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 we're all bunched up. The Gen Xs remember summer in the 1980s. Uh, we used to be off from July, beginning of July, till September. And we didn't have Xboxes. We didn't have endless reams and rounds of activities planned for us. There is test match cricket. You can sit and watch that or go and play sort of ball games in the garden. Uh, my sister and I had like various sort of Wimbledon tennis tournaments and cricket tournaments where, 
she, with sheer bloody-mindedness, would not give up. She would not give up, and she would actually cheat. She would hit the cricket ball round the back of the house and pretend to run uh, cricket style um, but actually just go like two yards, and I would only see it because I went round the back of the house trying to uh, rescue the ball, and I thought she was running far. I just ran four runs. And really, she had run maybe a couple of inches just out of the way of the house, so I couldn't see her. What a terrible teacher. Cannot be serious. But anyway, Matt Rudd in the Times last weekend uh, wrote about the school holiday survival guide in the 1980s. Before Wi-Fi and Xboxes, we had bike rides and knockdown ginger. Summer is here. Hooray for summer, says Matt. The school holidays approach. Hooray, but I wait for it. Wait for it. I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored, said Charles C. Because he had nothing to do for four minutes. Bored. You don't know the meaning of the word. When I was your age, we had four television channels. It doesn't sound too bad. It was too bad because none of these channels were for children. There was a show where they made cutlery trays out of cereal packs. A week I'll never get back. And then there was a show about delinquent school kids that weren't allowed to watch. And even then, uh, there was something that you had to watch because it, it was you needed the video recorder uh, that, until the late 80s. You weren't allowed to tape over Bergerac. And every tape was full of Bergerac. Then there was Wimbledon, the most painful fortnight of the year. But back then, young man, we're a one-screen family. Mum and Dad, can I watch Fraggle Rock? No, it's the mixed doubles. Wendy Lloyd and Wendy Turnbull might go through to the third round. Can I watch it on demand later? There was no on demand. It hadn't been invented like for 12 days straight. And that's the 1983 anti-boredom guide for summer for your own screen. Fill the Wi-Fi, hide the Xbox, make them play tennis and Wimbledon in the backyard with cricket and maybe some Blue Peter making something out of old toilet rolls. I hope you don't want fries with that. Russia's McDonald's has run out replacement spuds. When a local restaurant chain took over McDonald's in Russia, it promised to offer similar uh, a gamut of fresh and fast food dishes. But now the tasty full stop has to take wedges off the menu because the potato shortage is as a result of the fact that 2021 was harvested for the sort of potatoes used for producing fries in the chain's facilities. Western sanctions compounded the problem for the last eight years. The company relied on Russian suppliers. It has become impossible to import from other markets that could become temporary suppliers. Russia's agricultural minister insisted that there was no domestic supply problem. The new harvest was becoming available. There are potatoes full stop. McDonald's shut its 850 outlets in Russia in March in response to the invasion of Ukraine. 15 of the restaurants reopened in June, 15 with hundreds of diners queuing up for 45 minutes across the flagship uh, restaurant of Pushkin Square, Moscow. McDonald's is one of the numerous Western brands that uh, left Russia after the war began. A survey last month indicated Russians are selling more than twice as many items, secondhand foreign clothing than last year as people try to track down western brands that abandoned the country ikea furniture become increasingly sought after well you'd be able to put it together though one moscovite said she had received dozens of queries within minutes after posting a six-year-old ikea cupboard on avito russia's main classified advert website it's crazy i put the price up twice but they keep coming in the end i sold it for one and a half times what i bought it for new our good friends at Very British Problems Official on Twitter and Instagram 
Oh, they're loving the heat this week, the very British problem, folks. The grass has gone green, so humid. Moving around has become a damp nightmare. Just had the shower and dried off. Now I'm twice as wet. Rained earlier for three seconds. That was nice. Ham salad for tea again tonight. And this is at night time before bed. Aside from the endless pillow turning, the leg going in and out of the duvet, the fan moving warm air around the room, and the hot sun coming up at 4am as the birds start screaming. This should be another cracking night's sleep. The man has been left a little red-faced and red-arsed after using toilet cleaning wipes instead of Lurol. Leon Gleed suffered soreness in an intimate area after using antibacterial rites from Tesco. He didn't realize they were actually meant to be used to clean the toilet, not his backside, causing a Johnny Cash moment. A true ring of fire. His girlfriend Sadie Williams picked up from an express store in Rika, South Wales and left them in the bathroom. After several trips to the toilet, Leon developed a bit of a rash and irritation. He checked the package of the wipes and confessed to Sadie, who burst out laughing. A few days and multiple white trips to the toilet later, Leon developed a nasty rash. He uh, checked the packaging of the wipes, confessed to Sadie, and she burst out laughing. Uh, Leon said that it was a silly mistake to make. What a mistake to make, huh? He believes cleaning products should be labelled more clearly to avoid any risk of confusing. The active flushable toilet wipes he used says makes toilet sparkle, not your bum hole. And Liam from Cumbran said, I thought the product was wet rights so you'd go to the use the toilet with, but it turned out it wasn't the case. When I developed the soreness, I knew something wasn't quite right. When I checked the packaging, it kills 90% of bacteria. You know, have a very clean bottom hole, as I said. Sadie said, how can you be so stupid? Being a lorry driver, it was hard to get in and out of the truck for a while with the constant chafing and burning pain. Thank you for joining me very much on the podcast today. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode 206. Like and subscribe across all the platforms, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. You have Spotify audio version, Slacker Breaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, everywhere. You know, as, as, he, as his bottom was stinging and he could hear heavenly choirs of angels thinking his time was up after cleaning his nether regions with the bleach wipe, he could probably hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the heavens. And you can actually hear the podcast absolutely everywhere. On the Butler and Porin musical edition of the podcast, so this week we have some Banana Rama, Cruel Summer. Uh, we also have some Pet Shop Boys. We have some Land of Make Believe, Finley Quay, The Human League, some Elvis, believe it or not. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like Elvis, but we slip some Elvis and then George Michael, some Wham. We have some Burning Down the House as well as your bottom holes. This is Seaside Golf by John Betjeman. How straight it flew, how long it flew, it clearly and cleared the rutty track and soaring disappeared from view beyond the bunker's back a glorious sailing bounding drive that made me so glad i was alive and down the fairway far along it glowed a lonely white i played an iron sure and strong and clipped it out of sight in spite of grassy banks between i knew i'd find the green and so i did it lay content two paces from the pin a steady putt and then it went, oh surely in, a very turf rejoiced to see this quite unprecedented three. 
Ah, oh, seaweed smells from sandy caves in time, and mist and whiffs in coming tide, Atlantic waves slapping the sunny cliffs. Lark song and sea sound in the air, and splendour, splendour everywhere. I will be back before the close of the weekend. Remember, freeze those tea bags. Man spread and legs up in the air next to the ceiling fan, or if you're one of those big fans, just hold it over. Cool down the nether regions first. Until next time, everybody, cheerio. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, no, you fish. Shut up, Billy.